Welcome to Whisking It All with your host, Angela Spazito, co-founder of Whisk.ai, a food and beverage intelligence platform. We're going to be interviewing hospitality professionals around the world to really understand how they do what they do. Welcome back to Whisking It All. We are here today with Sean Walshef. Sean is the founder and CEO of Cali Barbecue, Cali Barbecue Media, hosts, I think, five shows, but I'm going to let him say the name of the shows. I can't even remember them all, but really, really smart guy, knows a lot about the hospitality space and the media space. So, Sean, welcome to Whisking It All. I appreciate it, Angelo. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully, uh, the listeners, whoever is tuning in, will get inspired to turn whatever business they're in into their own media business. We, uh, we believe that no one's coming to tell your story, and there's never been a better time to learn how to tell your story on the internet. Entrepreneurs, business owners, we're really good in real life. You can't be a business owner unless you can convince another human of your crazy idea. What we're not good at is telling, talking about that crazy idea and publishing it on the internet um, in modern form. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get uncomfortable and, and share some of those secrets today. That's awesome. Super excited to get into it. I mean, um, I think a good place to start is always maybe to just give people a bit of a, you know, I'll never do it justice. So I want you to maybe explain bit of background what is Cali barbecue then what is Cali barbecue media just hearing it from 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 your mouth and then from there we could kind of go through through the journey sure so uh, I launched Cali barbecue in 2008 height of the economic recession uh, picked a terrible location they tell you location 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 uh, had a terrible location um, but it became the greatest gift because of the community that we built the hard times that we went through and the stories that we learned how to tell uh, that barbecue business, doing barbecue on the West Coast is very difficult. Uh, we have a lot of transplants that live in California and live in San Diego that come from the barbecue meccas of the world. And learning how to make craft barbecue is hard. We made a lot of bad brisket um, before we learned how to make great brisket. And on the media side of our business, we told a lot of bad stories on the Internet. We made a lot of bad Facebook posts, a lot of bad uh, podcasts, a lot of bad videos before we realized that essentially no one was coming to tell our story. I mean, once we built the, the profitable side of our business, our barbecue business, 15 years, we've done over $35 million in sales. We have five locations currently, two stadium locations, two ghost kitchen locations, and a full service uh, restaurant and sports bar, uh, which is essentially our master smokehouse and media center where we uh, do kind of a hub and spoke model where we smoke all of our meats and then distribute them daily to the ghost kitchens and the stadium locations. Um, we are trying to get more barbecue to more people, leveraging technology to do that. The problem with barbecue is it takes time and it takes expertise. Um, we are leveraging relationships that we have with Toast, um, with DoorDash, with Uber, with the ghost kitchens to get more barbecue to more people so that people don't have to wait in line. Um, barbecue takes a lot of time to make some great brisket and great pork and great, great spare ribs. But, uh, if you can do it really well and you can get it to people on their terms, then, uh, then that provides what we call digital hospitality. You know, hospitality in real life is making a memorable moment, turning a stranger into a raving fan. Uh, what the best businesses on earth are doing that not only in real life, but they're doing it online. So they're understanding that omni-channel, it doesn't matter what the platform is, you need to have a presence, you need to tell a story, but you also need to communicate with your guests and build a relationship. Well said, wow. 
And I, and I, I think for our listeners, one thing that's always interesting is to kind of learn how you got to this point, you know? So like, were you always a restaurant guy? You know, were you always, did, did you grow up in that in that world or, or, or just walk us through that journey where like, what got you into this, this space, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I currently own the restaurant that I bust tables and wash dishes in when I was 13 years old. So wow. I okay. never met my father. Uh, I was raised by my Bulgarian grandfather and that was the, the biggest blessing. Uh, he made me work in the restaurant uh, over the weekends when when I was young, when I was 13, and while all my wow. friends uh, in La Jolla were going to the beach or playing sports, and uh, I resented it. I, I hated it. I didn't want to be in the restaurant business. I didn't want to to work hard or, or do the work that was required to to be in the business. But it's the, the greatest thing that my grandfather did was exposing me to uh, hospitality and exposing me to the experience of watching people come into a restaurant that they didn't own, but acting like they owned it. Hmm. You know, it didn't matter the age. It didn't matter the background. People would come in for mom's birthday or grandma's birthday or an anniversary. And they would say, I want to sit, uh, I want to sit on the patio at my, our table. And awesome. their table was their table because they felt connected. It was their special place. And that special place is something that we're always searching for. That's the, the community aspect of what we build and why we build it. And it's how do you connect with people, not just in your village, because, uh, you know, we obviously have to care about the four walls of our restaurant and our, our micro communities. But if you publish what you do in your village, hmm. there's people all over the world that own restaurants. There's people all over the world that own bars. And, you know, it can be a lonely place as a restaurant owner can be yeah. a very lonely place asking, how do you raise capital? How do you open your second store? How do you better do inventory management? <laughs> right. How do you, you know, how do you do all these things? Um, you know, asking for help is a hard thing to do. Restaurant yeah. owners, we spend all of our time solving difficult problems, <laughs> all Big different time. types of difficult problems. And usually we do it on ourselves, but do it, you know, by ourselves, but asking another restaurant owner, how do they do it? Which is why I love shows like this is, we can share the secrets, you know, yeah, I, yeah. Will, I will talk to a restaurant owner anytime and tell them, don't do what I did <laughs> you that's know, amazing. Or, do it, or do it faster. You know? Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, like one, one thing, just to, like a little parallel on the West side. And, and one of the reasons, again, this is, this is about you, but just one quick anecdote of, of what inspired me to start with, you know, what, eight, nine years ago now was I realized so many restaurateurs got into the business because of their passion uh, and they love it. And, and, and like you said, the connection side and the hospitality side, and then, you know, maybe even being their own boss. But then what ends up happening is they kind of get, they don't realize how much, how much other stuff they didn't, they need to do that they didn't anticipate. And it kind of goes from like, I'm going to be my own boss to I'm working seven days a week, you know, 15 hour days kind of thing. And um, that sucks because there's so much time and, 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 and energy spent in Excel and doing things that, you know, labor costs and cost of goods sold and, and prime costs in general. And just there's so many, you know, like you said, operational locations, legal, whatever, and you hiring, uh, staffing, whatever it is. And um, we realize, like, man, that sucks because like you're going in and then there's all these things you didn't kind of anticipate. And so I love the fact that you're super open about this and, and, and willing to share because I think a, a lot of our, our community and our audience can definitely take some of these nuggets away. Um, one thing I'd love to maybe highlight is like what what got you? So it sounds like you've been at it at a young age, 13 years old. You know, you probably learned everything behind the scenes right all the ropes what made it so like in 2008 was there something specific that said okay i want to open now it's time to open my 
my own joint? Like what was the, that shift in 2008 where you're like, I'm opening my own spot? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really, was opportunity. There was mm -hmm. uh, an existing, you know, the a property that my grandfather used to own, it was leased out to a previous restaurant owner. Um, they weren't doing a good job. We sold the actual property and the new owners knew that I had worked in the restaurant, that I had a restaurant background. Um, they said, you know, are you, are, are you interested in taking over the spot? Um, at the time there was an inactive liquor license, uh, type 47 full liquor license. It was a breakfast concept. Yes, and we thought, you know, if we activate this liquor license and bring it to the, to a breakfast concept, add dinner, um, in an area that was underserved, that we could do something cool, unique, and special. And, you know, being 26 years old, I thought, yeah, instead of doing real estate, let's go and build a, a sports bar, a sports entertainment company. And, you know, we weren't even doing barbecue when we first opened. It was a breakfast concept, a dinner menu that was all over the place. The oh. barbecue came because we wanted to do a community event. Uh, we wanted to raise money for local youth sports. We kept getting all these fundraising requests, help us fundraise for this team or this sport wow. or this. And it became so much that we're like, let's just do one event and let's focus our time and our effort and get other other uh, businesses involved so that we can raise money. That turned out to be an annual Spring Valley tailgate and barbecue festival that we did for 10 years. Wow. For 10 years, we raised a lot of money and um, we learned a lot putting on that event. Um, thousands of people in front of our restaurant, barbecue restaurants from all over San Diego would come and sell their barbecue in front of our barbecue place. And people would go, why would you do that? And we believe a rising tide lifts all ships. I mean, we're in San Diego craft beer capital of the world, one of the, the few meccas of where craft beer originated. And it was because people collaborated, you know, stone became better because of ballast point. Yeah. Uh, those, all those things were things that we saw and we knew that no one makes the same barbecue. Everyone's barbecue is different. Everyone's barbecue is unique. And, um, we built some really strong relationships because we were willing to, to think outside the box. That's awesome. And I think one of the things I'm, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to get into the content side, but before we jump there, I'd love to just talk a bit about some nuggets, maybe on the, the entrepreneur restaurateur side. So when you opened up, like you said, you made a ton of mistakes. I find one of the best ways to learn is by your own mistakes, but sometimes you can also learn from somebody else's mistakes. So any kind of key mistakes that you remember that you, and, and I know there's probably a lot, I mean, there's a lot of mine too, but any key mistakes you can remember kind of when you took it over in those first few, first few years, excuse me, for in, the, in those first few years that you can maybe share with our audience, any nuggets? Sure, I mean, one of the, the dirty words in any business is insurance. Um, you never wanna pay for insurance. You don't have the money to pay for insurance until you need insurance. Um, right. You know, we learned the hard way. We've been sued multiple times. Um, if you don't have insurance, if you don't tender that insurance, early, uh, you don't have the right protections, then you could lose your business. Mm. Uh, we were very fortunate that, you know, my attorney, uh, Chris Roberts, who still helps us to this day, you know, was very adamant about securing the proper amount of insurance for the business. Um, even though I always resisted him and told mm. him, I don't want to spend that money. Why do we have to spend so much money? But then when things went wrong, um, we actually could tender a claim, you know, whether it was, a a claim where, you know, very early on back in 2008, 2009, we used to run a ladies night promo and that we got sued for running a ladies night by men that said we were violating the Americans versus Disabilities Act. And uh, that almost, uh, you know, they wanted 
over fifty thousand um, dollars in the in the lawsuit, and that would have put wow. us out of business. Um, but we figured out a way to not only get insurance to help us retain coverage, to you know retain an attorney to help us fight it, but to settle. And because we settled, we were able to continue the business. Wow, that's crazy! <laughs> Talk about a, a, a something I would never expect. That's nuts. And and then so I guess now that you know you know you you're, you're building that business. Um, I think online you call it the. I don't want to butcher it, so you could probably recap it. Like trying to be the Amazon Prime for um, for barbecue. Is that yeah. uh, that's fair? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, the it the the premise is to make barbecue easy. Mm. Barbecue is hard. Yeah. Making great barbecue is hard. And once you figure out how to make great barbecue, what happens? There's a lot of people waiting in line to get the barbecue. Right. And then right. it's once you're out, you're out. Yeah. And we want to leverage technology, you know, with our relationship with Toast, with online ordering, with Juicer for dynamic pricing. We want to figure out the best ways to take care of guests mm. that are excited to try our barbecue that come from wherever they come from. And they can guarantee because they ordered ahead of time. That's awesome. And right now, just to, you know, I'm trying to just envision the logistics right now. Is it that they can order ahead and pick up at your locations or is there also like delivery happening right now that you guys are doing? We do, yeah, we do. We yeah. do delivery local. So local delivery through Uber Eats and DoorDash. Um, we do. That's why we opened up the ghost kitchen location. So there people it. don't have to drive from all over San Diego. They can actually go to a more hyper local location. Um, but yeah, it's the, the, the idea is ordering things from your pocket, you know, making it as easy as possible, um, the least amount of resistance so that yeah. somebody that loves our barbecue can buy our barbecue and then makes it easy for them to order it again. Yeah, that's awesome. And so just kind of changing tune, you know, I know one of the things I'm super excited to talk about with you is the media side of things. And um, I love the fact that you alluded to, you know, content creation and things kind of sucking in the beginning. Uh, you know, I've been going through that journey. So so it's, it's funny, my, my my realization and it, it, you summarize it so really well. So I have a feeling most people end up going through this thing, but it's like, just keep kind of post, at least, like, this is my two cents, but keep posting every day and just find one thing to make it like 1% better. Was it my audio? Was it my video? That content sucked. But what? And you look back in 30 days and you're like, man, that was cool. And then you look back in 60 days and you look back and the more you look back, like I'll look back at this and be like, ah, oh, I could have done such a better job at this interview, but the only way to do it is to do it you know like there's no there's yeah. no other way except to just start but i'd love to hear kind of your journey with the content side because i think that's one area as you alluded to that there's a massive opportunities for these interesting restaurants and restaurateurs to share their story but they might just not know how do i start right so let's jump into that how did you start when it came to the content side of you know sharing your story i used to think that if you if you're so good they can't ignore you if you make something so amazing, people can't ignore you and they're going to come and write about you, put you on TV, put you on radio. Right, right. It didn't happen. We built something amazing, um, something that had never been built in our community. Uh, we never made any of the, you know, big lists that they put out, you know, regionally for Southern mm. California or San Diego for barbecue or restaurants or family style restaurants. And we just said, well, we need to just tell our own story. And by telling our own story and starting really poorly, because nobody starts well, um, if anyone thinks that a YouTuber or a TikToker or a podcaster or anybody that's doing online storytelling does well in the beginning, you're just joking. Yeah. You're kidding yourself. Everybody's awkward. 
No keynote speaker was phenomenal the first time they put a microphone and put them on a stage. Yep. The only way that you get better is through repetition. Yep. You know, the, the recipe that I share often when I give keynotes or when I talk on podcasts is, you know, the answer to the internet is easy. And it's that people want quality first. Quality never comes first. You will never make a quality LinkedIn post, a quality Instagram yeah. reel, a quality YouTube short, a quality blog post first. The answer is quantity yes. plus speed plus yes. consistency. Yes. Equals quality. Yeah. Quantity, speed, consistency. Day in, day out, consistent, persistent pursuit of making the craft of storytelling better. And the most important thing is to remove the logo. We have a yeah. subjective feeling towards TikTok, towards X, towards Facebook, towards LinkedIn. I don't need to be on there. I don't like that platform. It makes sense annoying. I don't like the notification. It doesn't matter. That's where people are. Yeah. Just go to the app store and look at the most downloaded apps, the most downloaded free apps. Guess what? That's where humans are. <laughs> humans in your village, in your community, in your city, yeah. people that you want to connect with. And if you don't connect with them, that's fine. You can continue to do business. But five years down the road, you're not going to get any better at online storytelling. And if yeah. you're telling me your website doesn't matter now, I don't know what happened during the pandemic to not wake you up to the fact that your website is important. And it's not something that you do once. It's something yeah. that is, it's a publishing vehicle. Every single business is a media company. Whether you choose to look at it as a media company is completely different. Because what, why do we market things? We market things to sell things. How do you sell things? You sell things through stories. You know, one of the, the, the other things that we teach is be the show, not the commercial. Mm, no like one that. wants to watch a commercial. Yet all these brands spend all this time and all this effort to make one video to put on YouTube to put on their website. One video on your website, one time, three years later, no, every <laughs> single day you need a video. And then three years later, after you've made over a thousand videos, you'll actually be making quality videos. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because it's two things I want to share. One is, yeah, regarding the quantity quality, I think you nailed it. Um, Someone, I mean, I, I've always had this thought, but I find that uh, Alex Hermosi and, and, and you as well, actually, you wrapped it up really well, but Alex Hermosi said it great. He was like, you know, do quality until it be, uh, sorry, do quantity, excuse me, until it becomes quality. So in the beginning, don't yeah. even worry about quality. Just do quantity. Get, let's say like, I'm going to post one video a day for like 90 days. Like, cool, yeah. they'll suck. And be, and like, then you'll figure out quality. And then obviously the, the, the end of the picture is, can you do quality and quantity? And that that's the goal. But um, I think you nailed it there. It's like, one thing that just on the personal journey of like posting every day that I've learned is like, there's so many little nuances that you don't know that you don't know. You can read online right. and how to do a good podcast, how to do, but like until you just start doing it, you're like, oh wait, I mumble. Shit, I get awkward when I'm holding the camera and there's people walking by, I kind of shy away. I get, and you kind of like pick up all these little things or like, man, that camera was shaky. I should probably get some type of stabilizer. That's super annoying footage. Like, and you just keep kind of improving, improving, improving. And the hardest part is just, I think staying consistent, but going back to you, I'd love to hear, cause again, like if, you know, we have a lot of restaurants that we work with listening. And I think, like you said, the ones that will take this step and take it seriously and start thinking about content or doing content are going to get, gain a massive advantage. So what would you say is like a good way to start, right? You're, you're, you're a QSR somewhere, you know, listening, we have clients all over the world, but let's say Canada, us, you're uh, listening. You're like, this is intriguing. I want to start posting. I don't know where to start. What do I post? Do I post my, my 
staff cooking? Like, what do I post? You know, they, they might not have that inspiration. Where Can you give me some guidance or give them some guidance on maybe how to approach this idea of, you know, being the show, not the commercial? So there's there's two. I'll give you the, the beginner and then I'll give you somebody that's more advanced. Okay. And if you're a beginner and you're not producing social media that you like, that you're excited about, that's not making you uncomfortable, where do you start for your restaurant? Well, you start with what we call smartphone storytelling. Hmm. So you don't need a video team. You need what you already have in your pocket. Hmm. It doesn't need to be an iPhone, can be an Android. No excuses. You have everything that you need in your pocket. Everything that happens in your business, it might be boring to you. It is not boring to other people. If you think about Instagram, if you think about Facebook, if you think about YouTube, we see the same things all the time. If you're a burger restaurant, we see pictures of burgers. We see pictures of fries. What are videos that you can do to show versus tell? Show somebody the actual assembly of the burger. Show somebody how the bread gets into your restaurant and why you take care of the bread. Well, why would anyone care about that? People care about you and your story and the Mm. attention to detail that you and your team put to taking care of that bread all the way until it hits the plate in front of the customer. You know, I was fortunate. One of our shows that we do is called Restaurant Influencers. It's on Entrepreneur. We've reached 25 million people since we launched. I have incredible people like John Taffer from Bar Rescue, his PR team reaching out to us to get him on the show. Recently in his episode, he talked about we're not in the restaurant business, we're in the reaction business. What does that mean? Well, not a reaction to something going wrong, but how do you create a reaction to something that goes in front of a guest? Hmm. Well, before they even get into the four walls of your restaurant, they're on the internet. They're on Google, they're on Yelp, they're on your website, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they're on all these platforms looking, why should I bring my wife and my kids to this restaurant? You know, when I go out to eat, I'm, I, I look at TikTok. And why do I look at TikTok? Because it's showing versus telling. I can see from a TikTok creator, because most of the time, most restaurants aren't on TikTok. They're not sure. doing video. So I've got to find a food influencer that's gone to the restaurant, <laughs> tag them. And then I can get a visual of this is somebody walking into the restaurant. This is somebody where they sit down at the bar. This is somebody where they sit in the family style section. This is, you know, the most popular menu item. This is the dessert. You know, don't forget to do this or they have this cool mural, whatever that is, that's showing versus telling. Mm-hmm. So anybody that's listening, I say TikTok and I only say TikTok because it makes people uncomfortable. It makes business owners uncomfortable because they think it's just a dancing app. Right. And all it is is a video app. It's a short form video app. And the better that you can get now in 2023, video is not going anywhere. But if you can get good at short form video, taking the video out of your pocket. Some, we, have, we have a video that's done 1.5 million views on our Cali BBQ TikTok page. Right, and wow. it is not edited. I literally took out my iPhone from my pocket while Bernice, our pit master, was yeah. pulling ribs off of the smoker. <laughs> She's literally just pulling ribs off of the smoker. 1.5 million, that's amazing. 1.5 million views. <laughs> Sean, you not know, you know what I... That's no, a, you know, no trending sounds. Wow. No, I'm not dancing in the video. No fancy tags. <laughs> literally just barbecue coming off the smoker. That's amazing. You know what I find super interesting? And, and, and you alluded to it right there, but it's like sometimes the videos you think will do well and you spend time on whatever 
don't do that well. And then the videos you, you're like, ah, I'll just post it to post it, surprise you. And you're like, those are the ones that get a hit. And so like, yeah. what's your take on, you know, how do, how do you encourage people to just post and not be so self-conscious of, uh, I'll post this one, I won't post that one. You know, like, wh- what do you say when coaching people or helping people so they kind of maybe step outside that comfort zone? I mean, the most important thing when you start to go down a content creation journey, whether it's for yourself or for a brand, and I encourage people to do it for both hmm. because the more uncomfortable you are, the more you'll grow. And this is a long game, not a short game. You know, people are like, what's the ROI of starting a podcast or what's the ROI of starting to make TikTok content? You know, one of my friends, Dean LeBay, who I uh, have on our clubhouse calls, he talked to me, he's a salesman and he said, well, you should start talking to them about COI. I said, what's COI? Cost of inaction. Mm. You know, what is the cost of inaction of investing your story into the internet? to figuring out how do I get my brand? How do I get who I am as the founder, who I am as the owner onto the internet so more so I can connect with more people, do bigger business, find an investor, find my next employee, find somebody that's gonna strategically help our business, scale our business. No one's coming to tell your story. You know, you have to get uncomfortable. Yeah. It's gonna sound, you're gonna sound dumb, you're gonna look dumb. All your friends and family will make fun of you. Yeah. Yeah, so to me. <laughs> if you have butterflies in your stomach right yeah. now, yeah. I will tell you that it will continue. Yeah. But you have to have the courage to what one of my guests, he came on my show and he said, you have to have the courage to start a digital flash mob. How do you start a flash mob? You got to be the first one to dance, I guess. Or the you second gotta be one, the, I think. You got to be the crazy person. No, you got to be <laughs> yeah. the crazy person yeah. the first that in the middle up, of yeah. the town square that's dancing. Yeah. You got to be willing to dance when no one else is dancing. Yeah. And have everyone make fun of you until you get one other person to go. Exactly. Hey, I like one. Of I like yeah. this. I'm yeah. into this. Yeah. And then two people become four people. Exactly. Four people become 16. Like that's how it happens. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. So, so you spoke about the, the beginner one, which I love. Everyone's got a smartphone, start filming and you'll just figure it out. Cause you can debate till exhaustion or you can just start posting and be like, all right, that sucked. This did better. This sucked. And you'll naturally just get better and get signals from the market. Let the market decide uh, instead of getting in your own head. What about the more advanced? So he says there's a more advanced kind of maybe recommendation you have for people who are a bit further along. So there's something really cool happening. There's what we call the creator economy. Mm-hmm. The creator economy is people that are on the internet YouTubers, podcasters, TikTokers, Instagrammers, people that are really good on Facebook that can tell stories and that can build community. So they're technically influencers, creator economy, influencers. They're looking for brand deals. The other economy is the one that's been around since the beginning of time, which is entrepreneurship, business owners and business owners are really good, especially the best ones at making what I call B to C content, business to consumer content. So restaurants that are listening to this that are already really good at promoting their drinks, at making videos about their food, at showing their community, at talking about the events that they do, the charity work that they do, they're already really good on Instagram. They're already really good on TikTok. Well, what they don't do and where I see the huge opportunity of where we're going is what is called the business creator economy. Hmm. Are you willing to tell stories about your vendor partners? Hmm. B2B content business to business content. So I made a toast unboxing video with my business partner and general manager, Eric Olafson. Him and I made a toast unboxing video when we switched from Aloha point of sale to toast during the pandemic. 
And I had people that said, why would you do that? Why are you wasting your time? Why are you wasting your resources? I go, because I know that I'm not the only restaurant owner on earth that's on Aloha that's <laughs> making a contemplation of switching to toast. And if we make a toast unboxing video, that's absolutely absurd and ridiculous. It's hardware, it's software, but it's helping improve our restaurant into digital hospitality. Mm. Well, that toast unboxing video was shared by Chris Comparato, the CEO of toast. He shared it to the entire wow. company. Wow. On the company, all hands, they started the meeting by talking about that toast unboxing video. Wow. Now I'm on the toast customer advisory board. I was invited to the toast IPO. So they had 20 different restaurants that were invited. We were by far the, the, the latest adopter of toast at the IPO. We were by far the smallest restaurant group that was at the IPO. Why? Because we were willing to tell the story about toast, about their technology, about how they help our restaurant, how they help other restaurants. And now we do content for toast. They are the primary sponsor of restaurant influencers. I do, I'm launching another show with them coming up soon. Um, I do work with a lot of other hospitality uh, tech brands and hospitality awesome. brands, restaurant groups, helping them be the show, not the commercial. That's amazing. That's a really cool story. I had chills when you said it to be that, you know, un an unboxing video. And kind of like I said, right, like you you launch a video, people are like, what's he doing? And then all of a sudden, once it hits, then everyone else is like, ah, I always, I always knew Sean had it in him. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but at the yeah. beginning, it's like everyone's like, so awkward. Look at those videos. No, it's, easier, it's easier yeah. to make fun of the person dancing to crazy person dancing to music in the town square. Yeah, you know what? I I think uh, I think it was Gary Vee who said it, but uh, there, there's a quote I really like from him. He says something along the lines of, "You know what? I'd rather be made fun of, but be the guy on the field than be the person in the stands." And that's like yep. my mentality as well. I rather I'm playing the game, make fun of me, cool, but like I'm playing. Like you're not playing, you're sitting in the stands, so it is it's the man in the thing. arena. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's awesome. And so maybe just to get a little tactical, I don't know. You know, you know I know we have a couple minutes left, but just get a little tactical. You know, maybe you can share some of this, maybe not, but just for the people that want to get a bit more advanced, like what would like maybe a content, you know, flow or pipeline potentially look like? So the idea is, you know, obviously record, you know, uh, show versus tell and try to record more things, pull out your phones. Do you have any tips on like, you know, procedures? Like, is it, is it something where you're like, Hey, try to film once a day and just upload or, or do you have any tips on like, Hey, invest in this, buy a decent mic. Like, do you have any like quick little tips to maybe guide people on how to, streamline this process the easiest, a little? the easiest thing would be to recommend every single person that's listening to create a show your long form show that happens every single week right no matter what every single week you have a manager meeting and you go to your manager meeting what can you come up with that gets you excited enough that you want to have a conversation about and how do you record that conversation mm. That long form conversation becomes your YouTube show, becomes yeah. your TikTok show, becomes your Instagram reel. But this way, no matter what, 52 weeks out of the year, you're updating your website. You have something cool to send out in your email newsletter. You have something different and unique to add to the marketing that you're already doing. But how do you become a show? You become a show by contemplating, and it can be crazy. It doesn't have, the problem is everyone looks at marketing of how do I get directly get a customer into my chair? That's not what you have to do. What you have to do is be you. Yeah. Like the same reason that you opened up the business in the first place, you convinced someone in real life of your dreams, your hopes, but you stop telling that story. Right. You got to tell that story to the internet. You know, why is a comedian like Kevin Hart or Chris Rock or Jerry Seinfeld, 
Why are they so good when they go on a stadium tour? Because they're telling original jokes? No. <laughs> they told the same joke over and over and over, and they got better at telling the same joke. Every single person needs to get better at telling who are you and what do you do? Why do you do it? It's true. It's true. And it makes me think it's funny. I was uh, I did a little challenge. This is more on the personal side. So so like you said, I'm trying to do the, the, the West side, which is, you know, having fun doing it. And then I started doing a bit of a personal podcast and personal, just more about entrepreneurship. It's it's called anything and everything. And the idea is like most entrepreneurs are willing to do anything and everything to make their business survive. And, and I'm having fun doing it. And one of the things I decided to do was this 30 day challenge of just waking up and getting sunlight first thing in the morning. And the challenge was super interesting because I made the goal, and, and maybe this will help some people, so I'm just sharing a nugget that worked for me. I'm not an expert, but this nugget helped me, is I went from, I am not gonna look at the views, like I'm not gonna measure my success on views or likes, I'm just gonna measure my success on if I can post every day for these 30 day challenge. Yep. And that was it. And by making that the new goal, it took so much stress off my back because I wasn't looking at like, oh, this one only got 300 views. Oh, this one got a thousand. Like, and you're going through this emotional roller coaster. I said, you know what? My win is if I could post every day. And by doing it, what's amazing is I learned so many things throughout those 30 days that I, I wouldn't have learned by Googling or watching YouTube. You just pick up by doing. And so that's one thing I maybe want to just share. And like, I don't know if you have any anecdotes where that's happened for you, where you just start doing and then you pick up so many things that you didn't know you didn't know. You know, so much of what we believe with digital hospitality, what we believe with smartphone storytelling goes back to a conversation I had with one of my best friends. Uh, his name's Adam Harris. He's the co-founder of Cloudbeds, so a very successful um, hotel um, technology company. And I mean, he's grown that company to, I believe they have over 800 employees and wow. they're in 120 countries. It's, it's very impressive what he's built. But before his Cloudbed days, he was managing websites for the California Restaurant Association, the San Diego chapter. And we had a different website provider. And I remember having a conversation with him, asking him, you know, I'm having trouble updating our website because we would host fight nights, Mayweather Pacquiao, and I wanted to come up in the search results. We paid a lot of money, about $3,000, because of our capacity to host these events. We charged wow. cover, but I needed a boxing fan to know when they Googled where can I watch the boxing fight in San Diego? I needed to come up in the top of those search results. The company that I was using took too long. I would email what I wanted. They would email me back three days later. It's updated. It wasn't the way I wanted. I would email back three days later. And Adam's like, dude, you need to just get on your, you need to get on WordPress. I'm going to teach you how to do WordPress. And I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter what the technology is. If it isn't good enough for an idiot to figure out how to use it, it won't last. Hmm. Don't be scared of technology is what he told me. And that principle of not being scared of getting your hands dirty, everyone wants someone else to do it. Everyone else right. wants someone else to go into Instagram, someone else to go into YouTube, someone else to go into the podcast RSS feed. Like that, yes, you need to allocate resources, time and resources, but there's something magical when you actually have to do it yourself. Yeah. Because no one's you. And once you do it, and then once you see it, now all of a sudden, for me, I'm not a technology expert, yet I sit on technology boards of some of the most powerful technology companies and restaurants. Right. Why? Because I'm willing to go in a Starbucks app and talk to other tech companies about the things specifically in the Starbucks app that I like, the things that I like in the Amazon app, the things that I like at the Department of Motor Vehicles. 
Why does my online, why can I book an appointment at the Department of Motor Vehicles? Why is it so easy for me to do? Well, they've prioritized what we call digital hospitality. They've made it easy, Hmm. but they've only made it easy for me. And now it's at a point where I go and I book an appointment. I get there. There's 200 people waiting in line and I get anxiety. I'm like, oh my God, did I do something wrong? No, I'm the only one that made an appointment. (laughs) 200 people didn't even go on the internet and make an appointment. But that's the world that we're living in. If you have the courage to look stupid, sound stupid, to play with an app, to post, to try out a technology, you can get to a very valuable place where your feedback matters. You know, my son just started first grade and they have an app that they do homework on. And I'm I made a bet with one of my close friends who knows who I am and knows how I like I'm like, I will probably be sitting on the board or be doing content for this company because there's a bunch of things that I don't like about the app. That's amazing. And I'm sure no one's had the courage to tell them. That's amazing. That's awesome, man. So, so Sean, that's, that's super helpful. I think for people listening, there's a lot of good nuggets they're going to be able to take away from today. One of the big ones being like, just start posting content and you'll figure it out. But for people who want to kind of dive deeper, because I'm sure you go deep into some of these concepts, love to give them the resources sure. that you can share. So maybe you can just walk through your website where they can find you, where you're at, your different podcasts, YouTube, whatever. This is your chance that. to just, yeah, just really tell people where they can learn more and, and follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah, the the easiest place is just to go to, I mean, you can start at Instagram. It's at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N. P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. Um, it's the same on all LinkedIn, X, Threads, TikTok. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Um, we we believe a rising tide lifts all ships. And as a content creator, sometimes it's a lonely place, so it's nice to have a community. Yeah. Um, that's why we meet on Clubhouse. So every Wednesday and Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, uh, the social audio app Clubhouse. You can find the digital hospitality room. You can find me, but come up on stage. You know, we say stay curious, get involved, ask for help. You know, curiosity brings you to a podcast. It's why you've stayed this long and you've listened this far, but then yeah. now you have to do something about it. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do? You post a video, but where do you find a community? You find it with us on Clubhouse. You know, come and join us. We have tech founders, we have restaurant owners, we have sales professionals, marketing professionals, content creators, PR people. We all come and we talk about, you know, a topic of the day, but more importantly, we get to learn about who you are. That's awesome. Um, so no matter where you are in your restaurant journey, do that. And then finally, the the shows that we do is restaurant influencers. You can find that on entrepreneur.com or any podcast platform. And the other one is digital hospitality. That's uh, you can find that show um, on all podcast platforms as well. Amazing. Some great resources. So for everyone listening, that was Sean Walchef from Cali Barbecue, Cali Barbecue Media, and <laughs> amongst many other things, Toast Advisory Board. I, I can't go, I, I don't even remember the full list, but restaurant, media guy, super smart, super fun, super kind. I'm, this is the first time I actually meet you, and I got to say, man, it's been a pleasure, and I think I don't think it's going to be the last. I think we'll probably... No, I, uh, I'm, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing. I, I, The amount of calls that I'm on where founders don't have the courage to do what you're doing, and that's build a community around content and share your story. Um, they don't see the ROI. I give them the COI, the cost of inaction. So I appreciate what you're doing, uh, building in public. And um, I look forward to, to keeping in touch with you or anybody that, that listens. Amazing. Well, thank you, Sean. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Whisking It All. Feel free to check out whisk.ai for more resources and schedule a demo with one of our product specialists to see if it's a fit for you.